0: doing this for a living has been detrimental to my spiritual life and so i've had to figure out okay like god you knew what this was going to look like you know and as much as i know you've led me to do this so help me
1: benji cowart is one of those nashville songwriters that everybody seems to know or have worked with and everybody seems to love he's been a part of penning some of the biggest songs in christian music over the last two decades but more importantly he's a thoughtful kind and passionate believer We had him on a few months back and he gave us a beautiful devotional, but in this conversation he has even more timeless insights. Here we go. We started off with the interesting topic of the Nashville songwriting machine that Benji's a part of. We asked him how he balances the business of writing worship and the sacred nature of the songs he produces.
0: I, I honestly don't have an answer as much as I have to At Like, it's the same thing as like, you know, Scripture, you say, how do you humble yourself? I don't even know how to do that myself. So I think a lot of times it's just, okay, God, like, I trust it. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm here because I feel like I'm called to do this in this season of my life. But it's been really hard, to be honest. Like, it's uh, even in, was a worship leader for 17 years. And so I've been done the full time on staff church. But that was also hard of just, you know, it's like when you're a worship leader and that's part of your job, you have to be very intentional. And even, you know, as as of late, it's been really a great thing because I think sometimes, you know, one of the things I keep hearing is uh, the recipe for revival is desperation. That's it. And so I think for me, even in seasons where I've gotten real dry, and honestly, like, doing this for a living has been detrimental to my spiritual life. And so I've had to figure out, okay, like, God, you knew what this was gonna look like, you know, and as much as I know, you've led me to do this, so help me not to die inside. And then, you know, the good thing is is it is a machine. And but at the same time there's there's a lot of people that are just doing the thing as best they know that God's called them to. And we can't necessarily, you know, people can't necessarily be responsible for whether when people put them on an on a a undue pedestal what you can do is decide whether you actually believe that or not or whether you just kind of go yeah we both know that's that's not who i am it it's a very i have to i have to fight pretty hard to be honest and sometimes i don't always win that sometimes i get real dry like i you know i've i've t- you know just being real honest there's been a couple times where i've sat in worship in church and i've been like can we just get to the message and some of that's cuz i don't know how to turn off all kinds of conflicting emotions. It's, you know, there's the emotion as a writer of like, man, I wish I would written that. There's sometimes you're, you're a lyric or as a lyricist, uh, you're like, man, I wish, could we not say that differently? But also know that I like, that also could have made me miss some great worship songs that when I was a worship leader and turned off that filter and let them, I was like, oh man, this super repetitive thing is very powerful. And so like even my own preferences like can get in the way.
1: Post-Asbury Revival, we asked Benji, what's the role of worship music in revival?
0: Man, that's a great question. Uh, I know you're saying even it's worship music versus worship. But man, I also, honestly, I really feel like worship became something in the church. Like when to hear, the thing that wrecks my heart a little bit is for someone to say, I went to church because of the worship. I'm like, that is such an exercise in missing the point. (laughs) So I kind of, so coming back to your question, I think in its ideal form, like I, you know, I even, even some of the little shakings we had of places, and I know everybody has their different views on Brownsville and Toronto and all that, but, but I do know songs came out of Brownsville. And so I really think, I think that those songs, I don't think they're the cause of it. I think they're the documentation of it. I think those are the prayers that got documented during that moment, um, I know that, like up, in, up at Asbury right now, there a lot of the songs they're singing are already pre-existing worship songs, and they just sort of—I I love that some of them are coming from like 20 years ago. I'm old enough that, like, I was leading worship when their worship leader title didn't exist. I thought when I went into ministry that I was going to be a, uh, a worship, like, a minister of music at a Southern Baptist church. I didn't want to do it, but I was like, okay, Lord. Fortunately, I never have always gotten to actually be a worship leader at churches, um, which whatever those two differences are, but just seeing, um, seeing all those songs come about. And I, I'm interesting because I haven't heard anything new come out of Asbury yet. And part of me kind of hopes nobody jumps on that. You got to franchise this thing. We got it. Like I, I'm, it's like the magic dish bubble. I'm like, everybody just leave it alone. Just let it be. Don't pop the bubble. Like, and I feel like the Asbury staff's done a great job of just let it be. Just let it be what it is. And let's, let's guard the sanctity of what God's doing in this moment. But that's the biggest mistake I think that's happened in so many revivals is trying to franchise it. So we try to mimic, we try to mimic the, uh, the symptoms of the revival instead of mimicking the process that got them there. And so I, I think sometimes that worship can fall into that. Um, I, I saw somebody on on the social media saying, hey, I wish, wish I could find a church that just does music and just follows the Spirit just like Asbury does. And part of my question was, well, what if the Spirit says that we're just doing the message today and we're not doing music? A revival could come from that. Or what if the Spirit says, I want you all to be quiet, like we're all just going to bow in reverence. So I'm not really answering your question, but I think... I think worship has a part, and I think music has a part, but as what's cause and what's just symptomatic, or what's, I feel like some of the best songs come out as almost just documentation. If these are the prayers we prayed during that, and these are the prayers that rose up in those worship services, and we put them to music, and
1: they they just fit the moment. We'll be right back with songwriter Benji Cowart. But first, we had a conversation with Aaron Stewart, the co-founder of Planning Center, our partner on this episode. We asked him, what is the most helpful tool Planning Center offers to musicians?
2: So if you're putting all of your music in Planning Center to organize it and to give to your people to rehearse, what you can do is download the Music Stand app, which is best on a tablet, so an iPad or an Android tablet, and that lets you log in to your account, and then it says, here's this week's service, and it launches in a in a customized view. And it makes it so that whatever music you have, whether sheet music or chord charts, whatever it is as a PDF files. It gets put in there so that you can just swipe from song to song or you can use a wireless Bluetooth foot pedal. Um, if you want to be hands-free, you can just tap your foot and it changes the pages. Actually, you can even link multiple devices so that when I turn my pages, it just automatically turns anybody else's pages who wants to be turned. And then also, you're able to take notes on it. And so, what I love about this is I take notes the first time we're going to do that song and then when we do that song two weeks later a month later a year later it just comes up again with all of my notes well so if i can save notes why can't i share my notes so if you are playing piano next week. You can be like, well, I don't want to take my own notes. Did Aaron take notes on this? You can just say, there's Aaron's notes. Import them to mine. So you can share your notes with other people. If you have your audio files on there, it allows you to listen to those. This is how I practice my stuff every week. So I sit down at my keyboard and I like open music stand. I launch the audio player and it's like I can scrub through the player at the bottom while I'm taking notes on the music right there. I'm like, what? What was that? And I like back up. I'm gonna highlight that part because that's where I'm gonna sing a harmony part. And so having all that, sharing those notes with your people and turning those pages just makes rehearsing or playing in the service so much easier.
1: For those interested in transitioning to Planning Center, you can find out more at planningcenter.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Back to our conversation with Benji, where we focused on the younger generation, and we asked, what would you say to a kid that thought they didn't need church? I would say... Chase Jesus and let him sort it all out for
0: you. Because I really do believe if you're truly chasing Jesus, Jesus will eventually lead you back into fellowship with other believers. Uh, but I think what's happened is, um, I don't think, I have two. I have a 22-year-old kid and a 20-year-old kid. I know that they love Jesus and they, they still love the church, but I know that what they get dis- disillusioned with are all the things that aren't the biblical church. I really don't think, you know, everybody talks about millennials and they've checked out of church. I'm like, I don't think they've checked out. I just think they have a filter that says, I don't know what that is, but that's not what it's supposed to be. So I'm not going to be a part. And so I think when the church becomes what it's supposed to be, and that's, I mean, like I've been a part of, I'm not even saying the church is just this big wreck. It's not. But I think so much of when people begin to check out or they're, you know, they, even a lot of what they call deconstructing, I'm like, what you're actually deconstructing is not biblical church. You're just deconstructing the sideshow and the celebrity culture or the the agenda and the machine, you know, because sometimes even church, it's like you build this massive building and now you got to pay staff and you got to pay a building and you got to keep the machine running. That's just a structure, but that's not the church. And so I would, I think for a lot of like, even for my kids' age, because we, we have some of these conversations, it's like, man, chase after Jesus. And if you truly chase after Jesus, you really will love his people, and then you'll you'll want to be with his people, and you'll ha- I even have a tolerance to go like, I know this is nonsense going on in this building, but I know the church is still here. And I, I think that's all. I think there's just been a, I think, you know, even in church attendance, like we came out of the COVID, and I, I started realizing we haven't really done a good job of telling people why it's important to gather. And, um, I, I think, you know, part of the reason I think we should gather is like, I, I just know my mom was never happy unless all three of her boys were home for sunday dinner and i sometimes wonder if god the father's like i just it's really not about what we get from it it's what we what we bring him and so when the whole family comes to the house you know as much as possible i think i think that just makes the father happy because god isn't just a father but he is a father i think the millennials a lot of what they're pointing out are a lot of things that need to be pointed out then we asked what gets you excited about this next generation they just want the thing they want the real thing they want um you know if if asbury is an is an indicator of what the spiritual hunger is for that generation, then they're you know they they want God's presence, but I don't feel like they're chasing um you know, I don't have a problem, I think when the Holy Spirit shows up, there's manifestations, so it's not that I have a problem with that, but you can't chase the manifestations um and what I, what seems to be happening, in Asbury, is just a, an actual chasing. They, but they, but there's a little bit of the audacity of like we really want to experience God's presence. Um, you know, and just whoever the students were that were just like we're not going anywhere <laughs> until God shows up. And I'm, I just that seems right to me. Um, you know, my dad was telling me at one point one of the students had a need, like somebody needed, there was something where a student needed to go to Brazil or something like that, and some of the students were throwing money off the balcony. They just all were like, and I I just, like, that their generation might get us back to the New Testament church. You know, it's like scripture says, as people had needs, they raised the money and gave people, like, and I just, I was like, well, there it was. We just watched it happen at Asbury. And, you know, what was the New Testament church? Like, it was a lot of chaos, and it wasn't super polished and slick and they didn't have lights and fog and uh but it, it that was when the church we all look at that as those are the glory days of the church and so sometimes i wonder if it might uh that was the one I, just a sidebar that was one of the things i loved about jesus revolution is the the moment where the character lonnie frisbee says to the pastor they are actually the perfect potential christians because they're seeking and it's just really, that really kind of broke me, because I started thinking about this generation, and I'm like, as much as we want to point the finger at, uh, at what they're seeking, I was like, they're just unashamedly seeking. And instead of stiff-arming them, maybe we need to just start asking questions and go like, what are you, what's really behind the thing that you're looking for? So, so we see all these things that we're arguing about over politics, but I'm like, what's really behind it? And And... The church may may have that, because what I've got a middle schooler too, and so I'm watching. So many of these kids that are that are leaning even to some of the pronouns and the gender. They really, it's really more about I just want to matter. I just there's nothing special about me. You know, some of them, some of them may really, you know, they already struggle. We've all, you know, we all like I knew kids growing up that I'm pretty sure we knew they were gay before they did. Um, so we've all, you know, so it's like we've, I've walked with that too, but I also think there's a lot of kids in middle school where this whole thing is like the end thing now. And so, you know, it's like the deeper question is, is it just some of them that just want to matter?
1: Being such a well-known songwriter, we had to ask Benji, what is the Holy Spirit downloading to you right now that you're writing songs about? I mean, this
0: morning I was in a write with some guys and it really, you know, the other, um... I was at a worship service last this past Thursday night, and it's the first time in a long time I don't I don't even know if I know how to articulate this, but I was singing songs and I didn't feel like I was just you know sometimes singing is just a liturgy. It feels like a liturgy. we're like, we're just doing this thing that we do in church, so sometimes it's that. but it's the first time in a long time where I was really more praying than I was singing because I really, 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 really meant it. And I know that sounds weird as a worship leader for 17 years, but it's the first time where I was, we were, we were actually singing the song from uh, Will Reagan, like, Set a Fire Down in My Soul. As a songwriter, I usually, repetition sometimes drives me crazy. But that song, I've never, I've never sung that song like I sung it just because of where I'm at. I'm just in a place of just being really hungry. And I was like, okay, God, we got, and even when the service was over, I was like, we got unfinished business because I'm not done. Like, I was just in that place of like, you know, just I want more. I want more. And that's really where I was. And so that seems to be coming up. Um, you know, even the guys I was with this morning, that way it was really just we want I want the real thing. And I'm not even I, you know, I think we've learned the lesson of I have zero preset expectations of what that looks like. I'll know when it's there. So I'm just saying whatever you need to do, Lord, whatever you need to strip from me, uh, whatever I need to repent of, whatever, you know, if I'm not aware of like, I'm I'm at that place where I don't care. Like, I I need to meet with you in this season, and so that some of that seems to be coming up. And just a real honesty, uh, you know, with songwriting, you're always trying to find the line of. Uh, we want to say something in a new way, not so much because we want to be slick, but that's you know, it's the same thing that a pastor. You're you're just trying to communicate something that we all find, and maybe you know, because when something's cliche or when something's familiar, we mentally check out. Um, We we know, you know, if I say grace and you know I'm going to rhyme it with face, your brain's already out. So it's like you're kind of always, that's the running joke. Uh, At one point, one of the publishing house's password was no rhyming grace with face. You know, sometimes just, it's just the honest thing that you just say what needs to be said. And it doesn't need to be songwriter slick. And it doesn't need to be, needs to be new. It just needs to be the thing.
1: Benji had a great answer to the question of what does it mean to be a ministry-minded artist?
0: Man, that's
1: a refreshingly good question.
0: <laughs> I think, um, I think, in my in my best words I can put to it is: first, do you sense? Uh, when I say calling, I don't mean because when I went into ministry, I really I didn't so much ever hear God's voice as much as I for me these, these sense of you only have so many hours on this earth, what do you want to do with them? And that was what called me because I was the guy that, I mean, I grew up in Nashville, went to Belmont, thought I was going to be in music business. And my two nevers before God were I'm not going to seminary and I'm not going into ministry. And of course, you know where that always goes. So, but really where it came when I finally went into ministry is I just felt like the question of what do you want to do with your hours? And, and that's different for everybody. Like There's a lot of there's a lot of believers in country music, and that is what God's told them to do. And they are they are doing it very well. So it's not even that was just how I answered that question. Um, So one, there was a sense of calling. And then even as I began to. uh, But the dream that God had put in my heart had always been to be a writer or be in the music industry. So when God took us out of Nashville to Texas to go into seminary, I was like, well, this isn't this was not the plan. And then for 15 years, we lived everywhere but Nashville. We lived in Florida. We lived in Vegas. We lived, I was on staff in Buffalo, New York for seven years. You know, and now I'm like, I'm so grateful. I, I don't know if I'd have anything to say as a songwriter if I hadn't spent 15 years in the church. But so now as I think about like as, as writers, because one of my, you know, as even writing, honestly, even writing for CCM, like one of the things, one of the reasons I love to do it it's because I've heard just so many times of how God, there's a sacred moment in the car that a lot of people have on their commute. And and some people, you know, everybody has their preferences and all of that, and I get it, but I've, I, it's reason enough for me for that person who hears a song and God uses that in that moment in their car. And it's a life-changing moment for them. I always laugh that there's ever any ego in our industry because I'm like, we're the tiniest slice of the music pie. Like if you look at how much money's being brought into the music industry at all, like there's really not any room for ego in our industry. <laughs> come on. Like if you're, if you're killing it in pop music or country music, you actually, you could, you could, whether it's right or wrong, you could justify having an ego. And I'm like, come on, like, this is Christian music. Like seriously, knock it off. You know, so as, as an artist, we've seen the artists to stay around because they actually do ministry. I look at that and go, I I see nothing but truth in that. Now, what is that? Does that mean you're a church? No, it doesn't mean you're a church artist, but it means that the conversation of your songs, um, whether you're a radio artist or whether you're a worship artist, are relevant to the church. And even if you're functioning in the role of evangelist, you're still relevant to the church. If you're functioning in the role of discipler in your music, you're relevant to the church. I'm I'm amazed sometimes that there seems to be sometimes there's an almost... A dislike with, and this is not ever, I've never felt this with any artist who is actually an established artist, but sometimes you'll get a sense of like, do you even want to be doing this? And those, those people don't last very long. Uh, I don't think if you are a Christian artist that, I don't even think that, I don't think ministry is an option. It has to be part of who you
1: are. Finally, we asked Benji for his take on the state of CCM and where Christian music is headed.
0: I think some of what people wrestle with, with CCM is probably like when I think, and again, this isn't, it's not, you know, I'm not, it's not so much a criticism, but I do know that in the glory days of when CCM first came about and you honestly had a lyric based genre with about eight different genres in a, with the same type of lyrical theme. So you'd have rap, you'd have Ray Bolt, you'd have like all these different, like for him, everything from for him all the way to like, allies, like I'm that old school, <laughs> but, but I, and so I think if we make it a musical genre that I think that's a mistake, if it's a production-based genre versus a lyrical-based genre, because in a lyrical-based genre, then you can have a pretty wide range of a lot of different types of music, and they're just about the gospel, and I, like, when I look back at when Christian Radio was at its best, that's kind of what I think made it what it was its best, As you were going to hear about five or six different genres. On one station. And um, so I think I think what I gather, even with my kids, is the struggle with the production of the genre. And, you know, and I think, you you know, other genres struggle. There's a point in country where, like, literally every country song sounded exactly the same because it sort of started steeping into this production-based genre versus a almost a culture-based genre. And I think we've gotten away from that now. We're into something a little more diverse, even in country music. So I, and I think, honestly, I I don't necessarily, I think there's a lot of lyrics and melody that if you set them to a different production, it would probably hit very differently. Well, one of the guys that really, really influenced me, um, he really was one of my heroes, is Paul Balash as a worship writer. Uh, and then, it, but then also just kind of the, the Bruce Springsteen way that he leads worship. Like he was just one of those guys that when we, when I lived in Buffalo, I just was like, that's, that's, I didn't want to emulate him, but there was a lot of principles of what he does that I was like, that's that's a very repeatable like thing to take in. David Wilcox, like who is more just an indie, like but there's there's just certain songwriters that make me like even in country music, there's certain country writers. I listen to everything. And there's a lot of country writers where I'm like, I'm not a songwriter yet. It's like when you look at stuff that like Natalie Hemby's written and you look at um you know some of the like guys who write in the indie world, and you just um, it's it, as a writer, you're forever haunted by the song you haven't written yet. In in our genre, like I think there's, I, I mean, I think in our genre, like Ethan Hulse is absolutely amazing. Mia Fields is still one of my favorite lyricists in our genre. Um, and then I'm, Dante Bo, there's several guys. I've, I've gotten to spend some time with the Mav City crew, and man, there's just some crazy talented writers. Brandon Lake. Ben Hastings, his record destroyed me, his, his most recent one. And it was actually a real encouragement because you hear just beautiful lyrics, beautiful music. And just what I hear more than anything is a relentless pursuit of excellence in his record. And you go, it can be done. We can do this. Leland, I've only got to listen to one record, one song off of Leland's new record. But off of that one song, I was like, OK, I'm going to have to like deep dive into this record. So there are definitely like, I feel like we're, um, we're seeing some really cool thing that happens even in our industry of just going, Hey, we're going to push, we want to push the limits of what we can do. We want to push the, we want to wrestle for the, just staying on one song for a long time. And it just, but it's like, you, it never feels like work because it's like your songwriters like, this is what, like, I want to make sure that this thing is, is right on every side. And it's not so much you even care about the success of it. You just care about the song. Like People ask me, what's your favorite song you've ever written? I'm like, I haven't written it yet.
1: Thank you, Benji, for the great conversation. We've included Benji's list of his favorite songwriters, as well as a link to his devotional podcast episode, in the show notes on worshipleader.com. If you haven't done so already, it would really mean a lot to us if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. All right. Until next time, The Walk is brought to you by Worship Leader. I want to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find a collection of faith-centered podcasts about health and wellness, parenting, current cultural events, Bible teachings, and more. So check them out at lifeaudio.com. I'm Joshua Swanson. Thanks for listening.
2: Life Audio.